Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And we're excited to have you back. We have sports to talk about, so we're going to let Morgan kick us off with a bunch of baseball talk. Yeah, so there hasn't been a lot of baseball to talk about recently, but in the last few weeks, there's been like a couple small things to touch on here and there. Um, Some of them, like Laura and I both have an interest in, others are just dumb. And then there's one like important conversation that I want to have at the end. So the one that we are both interested in happened, I feel like ages ago now, Uh, but you Darvish uh, traded to San- now I can't even remember if it was a trading or he signed a free agent I'm pretty sure it was a, it was trade, a trade um to San Diego which the Padres kind of I kind of feel like they're a team that almost every off season they get like a big name person or it's like oh my god this is going to be the year San Diego goes for it and before last season it kind of never came to anything and like the one season I remember I think it was the 20. 20- 12 season I believe like the day before the season started they made a trade for and I just blanked on every name ever but um a big closer that was with Atlanta that then went to Boston whose name I just forgot and then one of the I think one of the Upton brothers it might have been both I can't really remember but it was kind of like oh my god San Diego's finally gonna make their move and then it just crumbled really quickly um but this kind of feels different. They got Darvish and they got Blake Snell from Tampa Bay. And considering how well they did last year, even though it's a relatively short sample size of a season compared to a normal season, I mean, the Padres kind of showed that they can be competition and they can do really well. And I think that has to do with a lot of the young guys. The Padres feel like they have a good mix of like young, really like star power players and then kind of some better I like I I struggle calling Darvish a veteran because to me he's still kind of like a young player but he has played for now nine seasons I think eight seasons something like that um but I feel like the Padres are gonna make a lot of noise this season yeah I I they they're like one of the more interesting teams in free agency because honestly well and just the off season honestly baseball has been so boring in the off season so far yeah. no one wants to do anything because of covid except yeah. like the mets in san diego <laughs> yeah and which brings us to the next one which is the mets made a huge trade and they got uh Fred, oh my god why did I just blank they got Lindor from Cleveland who is I feel like before the trade he was like the number one player for Cleveland because they've kind of torn down a bit since their uh, World Series run and I feel like the Mets getting him was a big shock considering how much we trashed the Mets recently but I think that new ownership is um not messing around well yeah with like the catcher they signed and everything and the other thing I will say that's interesting to me I kind of look I know the Mets a little bit just because I find Mm -hmm. them interesting and I always feel bad for them and their fans yeah so um if you look at the trade so there was Jimenez is probably the the one player that went the other way of any value right now. I don't know the prospects at all, to be honest. Oh yeah, I, but, I 
no in, no prospects in but in reading Mets fans the, like the the overwhelming reaction was that's it that's it and so they didn't have to give up any like real everyday roster players which is interesting because they have a little bit of a log jam at first base because they have Dom Smith and Pete Alonso and so there was a lot of speculation that they could use one of them likely Dom Smith is like a, a really good solid trade piece. Well, because they didn't use him with the with Ferlandor, is there something someone else they could go get? I guess if the DH comes back, Dom Smith could be that or Pete Alonso could be that. But it's just kind of really interesting to think about the Indians didn't really make them pay much. And I get that it's Lindor's last year in his contract, but I mean it kind of seems like the Mets were going to re-sign him. And if Mookie's any indication, it gives you a real leg up in re-signing the players. So I don't know why they didn't demand a little more. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminds me of how I felt around close to this time last year when the Rangers made a deal for Corey Kluber and all the Rangers had to give up was Delino De Shields, who is a center fielder, but not, he's still not really regarded as like your number one center fielder, um, unless you just don't have anyone else there. Uh, and then he's kind of more a utility player, maybe. He, yeah. I mean, he was, he was number one ish for the Rangers for a while. And then someone kind of ar- always beat him out for it. Uh, and then they got um, Emmanuel Classe, who is a uh, reliever, could be a closer. But uh, at the time, it's like both of those for Corey Kluber. That's all we have to give up. OK, this is great. Uh, Emmanuel Classe ended up not playing last year because he tested positive for PEDs. So then it was kind of like, wow, the Rangers really won this trade. And then Kluber pitched one inning for the Rangers and then was out for the rest of the season. And now he signed with the Yankees, I think for it was a 11 million if I'm remembering yeah. what I thought I read right I think something around that which part of me it kind of hurts and I hope for Yankees fans sake that he pitches more than one inning uh but it's kind of it kind of feels like uh Cleveland uh their their trades have now evened out whereas they gave up Lindor and got a lot in return it kind of balances out the trade that they made with the Rangers where they didn't get much in return for what seemed like an ace pitcher at the time. I will say, so something interesting about the Mets that I wanted to remind people of and also use a new favorite phrase of mine was um, uh, that Robinson Cano is also out. So they have an opening at second base and everyone's like, oh, it's the same old Mets. And the Mets fans are like, great, he can't play. (laughs) That's awesome because he's not good. And they have Jeff McNeil, who's like one of their most consistent hitters. His natural position is second base. And he's just never gotten to play there because of Robinson Cano. And so like they were saying, I saw this on Mets Twitter. uh, It used to be even when things go good, they go bad. Now it's even when things go bad, they go good. Yeah. And my other one, it kind of... uh, the Penguins and Jack Johnson, it's um, addition by subtraction. Yes, yes. And I, I kind of want to see the Mets do good because I feel like that would just be like complete chaos, but like a good chaos to watch, a fun yeah, chaos. Yeah, and it would be kind of fun if 
the Yankees has like in New York someone not only just to compete year in year out but also in like the spending department and stuff just so there was it wasn't like because I feel I feel even when even on years the Mets would beat the Yankees or stuff like that it was always like the Yankees are the marquee team and then there's the Mets yeah and I think if you had like with Steve there that there is it seems like more of a willingness and if they outspend the Yankees then it's gonna look so much better and so much like two really close competitive teams which I think is great which it's kind of like how Chicago is because I think Mm -hmm. the Yankees have more history and the Cubs have more history but because the White Sox until recently have been competitive enough it's like north and south side that's how how you determine like not completely but that's generally how the rooting interests break down and so it's not like well this is the marquee team and this is little brother which I feel is how most people view Mets Yankees it's like Yankees and then they're little brother the Mets yeah yeah I I think it'll be way more fun because I I mean I feel like we still don't know how this MLB season is gonna work out but I'm assuming there's gonna stick to division only play which means they would actually end up playing the Mets a lot more than they would if they did regular play um and I'm kind of hoping that they do division only just so they can play each other because the Yankees usually get a lot of like Sunday night games that are national broadcast and if they can play the Mets during those and the Mets are competitive I think that'd be a really fun like new rivalry that's actually feels like a rivalry come back mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, it's really exciting. And I will also say that I saw the Yankees signed, re-signed DJ LeMayhew, mm-hmm. which is kind of big for them because there's been a whole contentious contract dispute that kind of some stuff got aired publicly. But it ended up being pretty reasonable, I thought. And so it does seem like Yankees-Mets will be interesting. So I'm yeah, for excited sure. for that. Um, next, some Houston things, which... They're, they're like the Rangers, little brother, which I don't care if they're actually doing better than the Rangers. They're still going to be the Rangers, little brother. Okay. So let's talk they're about They're doing them. better. <laughs> Is, are you really doing better if you True. have to cheat? True. Um, so I was um, scrolling through The Athletic this morning just to like catch up, make sure I hadn't missed too much. And I did miss one thing, which is that the Astros former GM, yes, Lanau is um, interested in buying a soccer team. And I didn't know this, but he was actually born and raised in Mexico. I think it was Mexico City, and I just didn't write city part on my notes. But um, yeah, that's his next venture into sports, which I guess makes sense. There's no way he's coming back to baseball, so go to a different sport. Sounds like it's a sport he has interest in, so maybe it'll work out for him, but I just, it was a very fascinating headline to come across and seeing that suddenly he wants to buy a soccer team. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that is, I read the rest of the article, but I know nothing about soccer. So it went right over my head. Yeah. This is definitely not a soccer podcast. <laughs> um, the next thing is that uh, about a month ago now, I think uh, the MLB redid their MI their minor league baseball uh not assignments but relocated some of the minor minor league teams to other teams like for instance the Rangers minor league is now um their triple a minor league is now 
Round Rock again, which it used to be, then contract ran out and Nolan Ryan is like the owner of Round Rock or whatever. It went to the Astros for a couple years. Now it's back with the Rangers and they went from 140 minor league teams to 120. So there are now 40 minor league teams that no longer have MLB affiliation. So now they're kind of in their own leagues. And one of them is the Tri-City Valley Cats, who were once an Astros, I think, single A team. And they're suing because they're now no longer part of the uh, MLB affiliation. And they're in some New York league now. Uh, Also, I don't know if I said 140 to 120. I meant 160 to 120. Um, I was wondering. I wasn't going to say anything. I realized that as I <laughs> like rehearing it play back in my brain. Um, but basically, they are suing because without the affiliation to MLB, they're going to lose money because they've um, sold already. They said they already sold season tickets, which I'm like, how? Because no one's doing really fans at games. I don't know. Um, but in the article they mentioned that they listed all of the players from the Valley Cats who are notable that went on to the Astros including Jose Altuve and George Springer Mm -hmm. and then basically they're just suing because they want the money they think they deserve I just thought it was interesting because Houston and MLB once again being sued and it caught my eye um, so the other thing that caught my eye was Theo Epstein, and he is now serving as a consultant to Rob Manfred in regards to on-field matters, which I didn't understand what that meant. And then reading the article, it sounds like he's going to have a lot of influence on, like, if possible, new rules actually make sense, will work for the sport. This kind of makes me super happy that there is such a thing for him to be as far as like someone can finally tell Rob no your rules suck and they're not going to improve the game because I feel like Theo was probably the person to do that considering you know he's kind of known for he um, worked as the GM for Boston and I think starting in 03 then they won the World Series in 04 and broke the curse blah 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 then they won again in 07 then he went over to the Cubs and they broke their streak and finally won a World Series after 100 plus years. So now that he's, you know, working in all of MLB, he seems kind of like the right person to be like, now nah, we don't need a rule that's going to take three seconds off the game. Or, yeah, this rule could actually improve the game, make it safer, make it more fun to watch. So, a common sense check. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which Rob Manfred needs. And I mean, you shouldn't be able to be a commissioner of a league without like some base level of common sense but I mean look at some of the commissioners we got and yeah. that's all I got to say about that yeah um so my last point which was until this morning the only point I thought I was going to have to talk about it and I'll be but it's kind of like my favorite thing that's been brought up in the last couple weeks and Ken Rosenthal wrote an article I keep saying the last few weeks it could have been last week for all I know everything's dragging on time is a complete construct in a pandemic apparently like we have no idea truly um but he wrote about how he doesn't really love his hall of fame ballot and that is because mlb doesn't have any real criteria 
to vote on as far as like uh, the, the rule is voting shall be based upon a player's record, player ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, contributions to the team on which the player played. But that's kind of up to interpretation for however the voter wants to look at as far as character. I mean, that doesn't have to be just on-field character, which is what Ken Rosenthal wrote about in his article because like football Hall of Fame or NFL Hall of Fame, they can only vote based on the um, actual stats, um, only playing credentials. Can't it, Nothing outside of the football field has anything to do with Hall of Fame. Baseball doesn't have that rule. And so he was talking about the 10 people he voted for and how um, originally he went from calling it his hold my nose ballot to the uh, sick to my stomach ballot. And he said this might be his last ballot. And he voted out of mostly obligation and feels like he did the wrong thing, not really knowing what the right thing to do was. So the people he voted for and the reason he have issues with um, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Gary Sheffield, he voted for, they all have performance enhancing drugs ties, which to me, I'm like that, that's not too big of a deal. I understand still voting for them. Like it, it did affect their playing ability. Not as bad as cheating in the World Series. Um, however, then you have, he also voted for Omar Vasquez, Vasquez and Andrew Jones, both have faced allegations of domestic abuse, so has Bonds. That's where it gets tricky. Then he also, Roger Clemens, not only with the performance enhancing drug ties, he also had a questionable relationship with the late Mindy McCready, who I don't know who that is, but I feel like in the article I'm supposed to know who that is. She's like a country or actress or something. Is she? Yeah. Okay, well, the questionable relationship was in the fact that he originally met her when he was 28 and married and a father of two, and she was 15. Ooh. Then, also on his ballot, which is the person I always think of when I'm like, do you ever, do you have to, like, vote them in, even if though they were great players, but a shit person, Kurt Schilling, who, if you're in the baseball world, know is a shit person. Um, he loves to get on Twitter and make offensive comments and actions and um, once shared a meme advocating the lynching of journalists. So that's great. I Honestly, I don't know how Ken Rosenthal votes for him when Ken Rosenthal is a journalist himself. I would feel weird about that. So I get why he's also feels weird about it now. Um, the other person on his list is Todd Helton, who was arrested for drunk driving twice. Then his last three choices um, have no known um, inappropriate or illegal actions, and that is Billy Wagner, Scott Rowland, and Jeff Kent, which I only have one fun fact about Jeff Kent, and that he was on Survivor, and I just remember him because he said anyone... Um, it's just a million dollars. It's only going to be 600,000 after Obama takes it or something like that. That's all I know him from. Um, but I, I was glad that he finally brought this up because it's something I've thought about like since I ever started watching sports and that like if I ever got the chance to vote for Hall of Fame, like obviously you don't have to vote for 10 people. Just because there's 10 spots, you don't have to fill all 10 of them up. But how do you deal with the, okay, they were a great player they're an awful person like how like because he he even mentioned in the article his 
most of his criteria previously to this was like would I cringe when they got up there to give their hall of fame speech or is it like like that was kind of his only criteria and now he like really struggles with these guys had great careers but some of them are all kind of questionably as people off the field so I have just one thought for this I was thinking about and this kind of goes to a rant I've had for a long time about the hall of fame in baseball I feel like the only question should be are they a better human than Pete Rose and if the answer is no then you can't vote for them because Pete Rose is freaking banned for life so how can you say if they're a worse person than Pete Rose that they should then be hall of fame eligible or should be in the hall of fame yeah and like he he said that seven he didn't specify um, which seven but he said seven seven of them were holdovers from previous ballots three of them were where did I write it three of them were one my pages are sticking together oh my gosh <laughs> seven were holdovers and uh three were strongly considered previously he just never had like the room to vote for them uh I just like part of me is kind of like you could base all of your votes on, okay, they're good players. If they're bad people, they're not going on my list. And that's, obviously we all have different opinions of what qualifies as a bad person. But my thinking would be, okay, I'm not going to vote for them because I don't think they're a great person. So they shouldn't be in the hall of fame. And I would just think that my vote isn't going to be the deciding factor on if they're in the hall of fame or not. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't the know one- if I'm- the one thing I will say, I think, and I think people have kind of come around to this point of view. Mm-hmm. It's weird, though. They, like, selectively choose to enforce this point of view. Me, personally, yeah. if I was voting for a certain era, I wouldn't consider steroids as, like, a character flaw in yeah. that literally everyone was doing them. And so... Yeah, baseball literally has a period of time called the steroid era. Yeah, and so if everyone <laughs> was doing them and they were the best in that era then they're yeah. still really good because they're better yeah. than a bunch of other people doing steroids. So I, that, that alone wouldn't be disqualifying for me. And I think you would vote for the best player in yeah. that case, if that was the only mark. But when they have other marks, then you have to consider that. Yeah, because, and I know we've said it before when we were talking about the Astros cheating, like with steroids, it's different. You still have to be good, like, and at a baseline like, good to for the steroids to actually have any effect on you and your it? playing ability. Christian Yelich, but you still got to hit the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And and also think about it. That was a time where oh, there was a lot of like strategy and stuff that wasn't in the game and analytics and all of that, like launch angles and stuff like that. So there were different things that made it not as easy as it maybe is now and well and then last year they like freaking juiced the ball not last season the season prior yeah so it's like I don't know it, it just that feels a little moralistic and stupid but there are other things that definitely should and it's it's hard I think it's it's hard especially when there's 10 people mm-hmm. 
the the thing that I like about the Hockey Hall of Fame is there's a very select few. I think it's like three players every year. It's like five or six total. And there's like a builder and like they have defined care uh, defined categories outside of just like players. So I think really Willie O'Ree got in two years ago or last year. Um kind of for basically being a trailblazer and stuff because he was broke the color barrier in the NHL. But one thing baseball got right, the person who broke the color barrier was also like an amazing player. And so it makes it such a great celebration. Willie O'Ree was not like the best hockey player ever, which obviously yeah. doesn't take away from the fact that he broke the color barrier. But I think it does make a point of if you, enroll, uh, if you put him in the Hall of Fame as a player, that's a little bit of a tough look. And yeah. I think the trailblazer thing made sense. And so I like that they have those categories. Yeah. And I know like baseball has journalists and stuff. So that's, that's good too. But I think if you have a select few, you, you can keep it going longer uh, as far yeah. as like who you let in and stuff. Well, I think the like, cause I don't know how, as far as voting goes for uh, hockey, like how much of the vote they need to get but um for to be inducted in MLB you have to get 70% of the vote um or sorry 75% yeah. it's like a defined thing so there's no no like set number of people and the thing with hockey i think there is just a set number of people and i think i think there's a minimum vote you have to get like you can't get 10% of the vote and then be like and you're in cuz the vote was so spread out I think, but I think there is a number of people. Like in, for baseball, there's, um, you do have to get a minimum to stay on the ballot. Cause I remember a couple years ago, Michael Young, who's like one of my favorite Rangers, he was his first year on the ballot, his only year on the ballot because he didn't get enough of the vote to stay on the ballot. And I think you also have a limit of how long you can be on the ballot. Like, even if you reach the minimum, I think you can only be on the ballot for, I could be wrong because I feel like Barry Bob has been on the ballot for so long that I'm just totally missing it. Um, but I feel like we should do a whole episode on Hall of Fame That would voting. be interesting. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Because I feel like I could go on, but also there's like things like, I'm not quite sure about this, but it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And it, it's kind of an interesting discussion, an interesting debate, because it's not like, well, a team won and a team lost. It's like, yeah, kind of yeah. one of those ethical, philosophical debates. Yeah, for sure. That's all I have for baseball. So now we're going to go to NHL and I came up with a new idea. So I wanted to kind of, since we're in our first week of games and the season is so jam-packed and going so fast, assuming we don't have a widespread COVID outbreak, knock on wood, um, that I thought like going around each division would be interesting, just kind of where things are, big storylines, those kind of things. So I picked three things from each division. And because we have the sponsors for the first time this year, I'm calling this segment Climbing the Corporate Ladder. Perfect. Um, so we're going to start with the division I care the least about the West division, the Honda West division. <laughs> um, so the first thing I want to talk about, I do not care about this division as much as any of the others, like I said, but, and I don't like, I normally find Minnesota to be one of the most law teams. And I think most of the league finds them to be one of the most mixed yeah. teams, but they got this guy named Kirill Kaprizov, who he kind of did the Artemi Panarin 
path where he's old an older rookie and he played a lot in the KHL completely lit it up and like that was where he developed in the KHL is like the second best league right after the NHL it's better than the AHL okay so and he really had a chance to develop and be amazing and so Minnesota has gone into overtime twice <laughs> against Anaheim and won it twice. And one of them, they had to, to tie it. Minnesota had to tie it at the last minute to take it to overtime. The first one, uh, Kaprizov had a really great OT goal. The second one, he had an amazing setup and assist in OT. So he's just really changed the complexion of the team and just the vibe. I also think having Cam Talbot in that has helped, which is kind of a, a statement on where their goaltending situation was because Cam Talbot is not exactly a world-beating goaltender, but he's better than what they had. So <laughs> with that, um, the other one I th- thought was, was amazing, Vegas um, tied uh, the game with LA after, after LA missed an empty net goal. Oh. And then... It goes to overtime and Vegas wins it seven seconds into overtime. Oh my gosh. If you're a fan of Vegas, then that's like the best overtime ever. And obviously it's tough for LA, but LA is a rebuilding team. That I, I think Vegas, it is like a really momentum building thing because you shouldn't lose to LA, but still like winning in dramatic fashion is, is kind of interesting. Where did they play that game? They played it in Vegas. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be LA so I could make a comment about them taking Taylor Swift's banner down and not helping. Uh, the last one is all for Morgan. So I'll just let you take this one. But the Avs played the Blues. And Morgan, how did that go? <laughs> Amazingly well for me as someone who absolutely hates the Blues. And specifically uh, Jordan Bennington. <laughs> Oh my God, it was glorious. The Blues lost eight nothing. They couldn't even get a pity point. And Bennington got pulled. Like that's, oh, it was beautiful. Like it was four nothing when I like really kind of tuned in. And then the fact that it was eight nothing, that feels like, that feels like a, like a 21 nothing baseball game. Like just absolutely crushed. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty bad. Because if you consider, like, um, football, like, if you consider a goal a touchdown, just uh-huh. as a way to kind of, like, somewhat approximate it, which it's not very accurate, because if you win two to one, then it's like you won 14 to seven, which isn't quite the same, but, <laughs> right. but still, you get the idea, then it was 56 to nothing. I love it so much it was like it felt as good as being able to watch the stars play it was just so much fun it brought me so much joy here's the thing about the blues and this is always my my thing because obviously they took Bennington out and their backup really who so I think I don't even this is a bad sign that I don't know their backup um didn't do any better um no and here, that was my whole thing with the Blues, though, is there's so much on Bennington, who really had one good season. Yeah. And the thing about that, they traded away Jake Allen, and Jake Allen was overpaid. Like, there's no way around that. But in trading him away, they traded him away to get Tory Krug, which I kind of get, but they didn't actually need Tory Krug. It's not like they didn't have a lot enough offensive defensemen mm-hmm. that, that 
Petrangelo was leaving, but still. But in doing that, they majorly downgraded their goaltending. Yeah. And on a year where goaltending is even more important than ever. So I just, I think that one move is going to be the one that could be their downfall. Yeah. Cause I think when I looked at the box score, uh, Bennington did two full periods and gave up four goals. And then their backup goalie gave up four goals in just the third period. Yeah. And that it's just yikes. And I think even, even if he had held the fort a little bit, most likely it, with the information that you have about Billy Huso, like the best you can expect is like maybe a third of the games or something, but you're going to have to ride Jordan Bennington a lot more than other teams. And all of the teams are moving kind of the direction the stars have with Bishop and Hudobin um, when they're both healthy of 1A, 1B, very solid on any given stretch of games. You think one is better, but then the other one comes right back. So I think, I think that's the, the, uh, method of the future, the like planning of the future, because they find that a great, uh, like a good, two good goalies well rested is better than a great goalie who's had to carry the load. Yeah. And I don't really know how he did against other teams, but Jake Allen, I think played a couple games against the stars last year. And those were the games that St. Louis beat the stars in. Mm-hmm. um, the one I went to that the Stars lost five to one, Bennington wasn't in that game. So I, I sh- he he was overpaid, but I feel like Jake Allen would have been better in this situation for them. And here's the thing is he's overpaid, but this is his last year. And Montreal re-signed him for two and a half million dollars, which is not overpaid for a backup goalie, mm-hmm. and especially one of Allen's caliber. And so then what you run into that is to get Tory Krug, but then you could have had, you would have had more cap space next mm-hmm. season. And there's going to be free agents because enough people like didn't want to take big deals. Didn't, and so it's just and enough teams are going to want cap relief and stuff if you have cap space that's a real weapon right now because most teams weren't planning on a a flat cap last season and so now that it is they're scrambling and so I just I don't get it yeah so the next one the Scotia North Division or the Canada Division which I love it's like my favorite division that I don't have a rooting interest to watch I'll just like watch random games because they're so intense and I love that um the one thing I love about this division I don't necessarily think there is a high-end team like there is in the other divisions but there isn't quite the bottom feeders of the other divisions at least yet because Ottawa whoever is it was like the consensus seventh place team they look way improved from last year. Matt Murray helps a ton on defense, but just even looking at their team and they got Derek Stepan to be a center, um, which I definitely think helps them. So they have some, some centers to surround their team and stuff. And it, it, it's an interesting looking team. I mean, they're, they're definitely young and I wouldn't expect them to make the playoffs, but it's going to be a close division. And on any night, really, you could, see any and you wouldn't be like oh wow Ottawa really surprised anymore like I think they're they're pretty good Brady Kachuk is something else he I he's so good um 
And I can't wait to see eight games of Brady and Matthew. <laughs> that is going to be awesome. Yeah. So with that one, we have the sad thing to talk about, Spezza on waivers. I just have a little bit of something to say about this. So Toronto put Spezza on waivers. I have a theory as to why. So uh, Toronto won one and lost one against the Senators. Those are the only two games they've played. And my opinion is that the penalty kill is the reason for this waiver transaction because losing Kapanen was their best penalty killer and they lost him to the Penguins. Janssen also played penalty kill time. There were a lot of penalty killers that they lost in the off season. And so they had tried Spets in the penalty kill, but that's not his position. And they know it and he knows it. Like no one would expect him to be a penalty killer. And right. with the, the players that they signed, they didn't sign fourth line penalty killers. And so you had to try to, you had to bring up someone who can kill penalties at the expense of someone else. And who's it going to be at the expense of? Well, last year, Jason Spezza was the team dad. There was one. And so it wasn't going to be at the expense of him. This year, though, you've got Joe Thornton. You've got Wayne Simmons. Who Wayne Simmons isn't quite the team dad, but he's an older vet leadership. And he also has the toughness factor. And so Spezza kind of became the one. And it really sucks. It, I'm hoping no one claims him because then they can bring him back up when injuries happen, which they will, and things like that. I think it would be really jerky to claim him because here's the thing. He's not – like they're putting him on waivers. I don't really think a lot of other teams have room for him. And he said – his agent said, if you claim him, we'll, he'll retire. And I think it's kind of jerky to do because it's not as if Toronto's season hinges on Jason Spezza. So I just think they should let him have what he wants and just be respectful of that. Um, the one thing that I was interested of maybe like they could talk to him and see if he would be willing to reconsider is Ottawa because Ottawa would definitely have the space to play him and he could really bring something to them as far as leadership and presence. And he played so many of his seasons there. I don't know if there's bad blood there or anything like that, but it would be interesting. I immediately saw this and was offended only because it felt like they were trimming dad energy vibes off the team and he was the sacrificial one and when he's there in my mind their OG team dad Mm -hmm. he will always be the stars team dad in my eyes but I felt like he was the team dad for the leaves and that I was disgraced by this I was probably more offended by him going on waivers than he was um but it did make me think about something which you might have the answer to I it made me think because of course my immediately my brain went "Ooh, stars should get him back Mm. even though I know that's not going to happen but then it made me think because there's a Canada division and then all the other U.S. teams. Do you think there's going to be like less waiver claims and like trades this season because they would have to do a quarantine? I'm assuming that there would be a, a longer quarantine for players co- going from the U.S. to Canada than Canada to the U.S. Yeah, I don't even know if they're going to enforce any kind of quarantine if you stay in country because of the fact of the quarantining they're already have to, having to do for the NHL season, like where they aren't going out except for like on the road, it's just the hotel 
and at home they have like defined places that they can go and stuff like that so I think there might not even be a U.S. one and Canada even it depend, might be provincial depend on the provincial but I, I, ha- I am thinking it, it has to impact U.S. and Canada because it's such a long quarantine I think it's seven or ten days and so just that alone like I know Winnipeg claimed Anton Forsberg from Carolina and I get uh-huh. that most of you are saying who and <laughs> yeah that is why it's okay that they claimed him he's like your third string goalie uh-huh. so I think that's why they were okay with the quarantine but Jason Spezza you obviously and he would not he would have zero interest if if even he was open to being claimed on waivers it would have right. to be someone in Canada there's no way he has any interest in doing the quarantining thing especially right. with his family and stuff like that just doesn't make sense so I just because have to think I was thinking that Canada was, was like a strict 14 day it might quarantine. be it's long so that that has me like really curious how trades are gonna work trades will be interesting um and and it really is like waivers are interesting because so then if you think okay Canada isn't really going to want to claim much from the U.S. and the U.S. isn't going to want to claim much from Canada right and that means the U.S. has 24 teams yeah Canada has seven and it is just really interesting to think about and also Ottawa is the one like rebuilding team in Canada there are way more you got like Detroit LA Anaheim like there's so many more teams to look at yeah for sure cap wise and stuff so it is interesting to think about the other thing I wanted to point out is right now the Scotia North Division or Canada Division as I've been calling it. <laughs> I've been calling it Canada Division too. It's the most jammed. So obviously we're really early in the season so there mm-hmm. isn't just a ton of space but I thought this was interesting. The best team has four points and the worst has two and they're the only one where everyone has the equivalent of a win. I think all of them came from wind but everything else like the there was one division that had a team with one point as the lowest and then there are two divisions that have zero point teams Mm -hmm. and so I think it is just interesting to see how and obviously it's too early to take a ton from it but I would be I'm curious to see if Canada ends up being the closest down to the wire race so with that let's go to the mass mutual east division which is the Penguins division, which I did not remember was the Mass Mutual division, <laughs> so I had to look that up. Um, the one that I, like, top story I thought was so interesting was the Devils, another rebuilding team. The Bruins, who aren't rebuilding, but are doing something really weird <laughs> this year, and they didn't pay Zidane Chara league main, and everything and let Tori let like the kids run wild let Tory Krug walk for a pretty reasonable price all of this and so they're playing the Devils and both games went into overtime and the Devils won one of them and I think wow. for the Devils even if they lost both of them taking the Bruins to overtime as the yeah. young rebuilding we're not that good team we were one of the seven teams that didn't make the playoffs last year is pretty amazing and then to win one is, is pretty amazing too. So I just was really uh, 
I think I think was the, the OT winner, or maybe he just got his first goal, but it was not in overtime. I love this name. His name is Igor Sharangovich. So it's quite a name. I love it. Uh, you can tell I was watching on TV because that's how I knew the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to point out as kind of like a weird thing was the Islanders Rangers series. So they're doing a lot of these series things. Yeah. yeah that, so the two games the Islanders have and the Rangers have played was against each other. And if you look at it, it it's one in one. Um, both teams won a game. And the goal differential is one in the Rangers' favor. They have five goals for, and the Islanders have four goals for. So, I mean, they scored four against the Rangers. So, like, this is a really close, like, series, really even. And it wasn't. (laughs) And it's crazy because the Islanders won the first game four to nothing. And the Rangers run the second game five to nothing. And it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. So, (laughs) (laughs) there's that. I, I just I found that that fascinating. So we'll see. I could see that, especially for the Rangers being a little all over the place this season because they're mm-hmm. so young and yeah, younger players ten, it tends to be more volatile, especially their goaltending because they don't have Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, they have two young goalies, and that also creates even more volatility. So I definitely doesn't surprise me, but it's just like I thought a kind of interesting, fun little stat. Yeah, I was not expecting those scores when you said what the goals were. Yeah, right? Because I, I saw, I was followed both of the games, and I just watched the highlights, but I was following them on the app, and I was like, wow, the Islanders, 4 nothing. The Rangers are not as good as I thought they were. <laughs> and then the next day, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so there's that. Um, of course, we have to talk about the Penguins' shaky start. They lost both games to the Flyers. I was a little nervous, but a little not nervous, because uh-huh. they didn't look like they were competitive against the Flyers mm-hmm. just, but I'm like are they going to be like a fifth place team this year because that's really going to bother me yeah <laughs> the first game we had Matheson and CC both playing which uh, I, I got really I watched that game too it was like the only game I could watch <laughs> and Matheson and CC are both CC especially but Matheson and CC are just not good then the second game, they scratched DC and put Ruedel in, but they still played Matheson. And it was like, well, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Well, then the, the game today against Washington, they played uh, Ricola and Ruedel as a pairing. And I'm like, finally, this is what I wanted last year when they like would not fit Jack Johnson. This is what I wanted this year. Like All I've wanted is for them to give that pairing a chance. And of course they win. And Chad Ruedel especially looked amazing. Um, but then I love the that game, name, by the way. Ruedel? Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, but then, of course, after the game, it's like, okay, we healthy scratched the two defensemen that weren't good for in favor of our, our two good ones. Well, no, we didn't do that. Apparently, uh, Mike Matheson has a longer-term injury. So it seems like Ricola, because Ricola took his place, might be in the lineup more long-term. And I'm hoping what Ruedel shows, he will too. So this might be the pairing for a while. And I'm really hopeful because... Dang, that that last pairing. (laughs) It's better than Jack Johnson, but that is not saying anything. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
With that, I thought we'd end with the Discover Central Division. The first thing I want to talk about, the Stars still haven't played, so that's a little tough. Um, so, yeah, sitting here the, waiting, but they, of the, course, account for over half of COVID-positive <laughs> test results. 17 of the 27 positive tests belong to the Stars, which on the one hand is a good thing because it's contained, but on the other hand... <laughs> Good God. The stars. So. Um, their, their first game is supposed to be the 22nd, which is Friday? Friday? Against Nashville, I think. Um, so Don't yeah. quote me on that. That that was kind of an interest. That's still like just everyone's waiting for that. And yeah. then the lightning are completely rolling and no one's surprised. And I thought that was because usually there's like a can be a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover. Yeah. Start a little slow. That's true. Like that. And it's not really the case at all. They don't have Kucherov still, still doing well. So that's interesting for the Lightning. Be interesting to see that it's still early. So see how the season plays out. But the one thing I think the most important thing from the Central Division is this Keith Yandel drama. Because, oh my good gracious, is it a lot. So, I don't think I know about this. Buckle up. Handle <laughs> after Andrew Andrew Pogliana was uh, suspension in 2018 uh, is the active has the active Ironman streak at 800 and now 867 consecutive games. To put that in perspective, the longest Ironman streak ever is 964. So he's like two seasons away from having that record mm-hmm. so it word came out and it kind of has percolated for a while because the panthers were supposed to play the stars which obviously didn't happen so it's per- word got out that they were going to help you scratch keith yandle and it's like um why how does that make any sense because i'm looking at their defense right now and literally the only defenseman who is clearly better then Keith Yandel is Aaron Ekblad, but he is on their team one of like the four best defensemen. And so, how does he end up a healthy scratch? And it seemed like there was hurt feelings and some kind of Real Housewives esque drama going on with like the team and management. And Florida's always a mess with that, like like weird drama and dumb decisions remembering that they they gifted Vegas two of their first line of their top three line, uh, players so that was that was a thing and stuff like that but it the thing I think it was good I think someone in Yandel's camp is the one who leaked it and Yandel Keith Yandel is also uber close to the Spit and Chicklets podcast he's like best okay. friends with one of the co-hosts so part of me was wondering if like they leaked it through that or they leaked it through other means, but it definitely got leaked. And I'm almost certain it's through him because of course, a bunch of people are like, like from all over the spectrum, there are the people like, how can you do this? This is horrible. Like from a personal perspective, but then there are the people who's like, he's not one of your worst defensemen. Why are you going to scratch him? Like just even from a pure hockey perspective, this makes no sense. Yeah. And so he played tonight and he got a goal. So, nice. Of course, that game is still going on, I think. But the Blackhawks and the Panthers played, which is interesting because that's Quenzel's former team. He's playing his former team. But it's 
it's interesting. So we'll see how that goes in the season. It seems to have, there has been a meeting of the minds and things are settled down for now, but we had a little bit, bit of soap opera drama to start the season. So that was, that was a fun time. So that's a good story to end the show on. Um, with that, I thought we'd go to Rant and Rave. Yes. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Um, I'll start. Okay. So my rant is hockey related, but it also crosses over into baseball because they also have this issue. And um, I was watching the Penguins game earlier today. And, and one, I think it was to tie the game two to two but the penguins goal was uh reviewed mm-hmm. for a god-awful long time it was such a disaster i don't know if it was actually 10 minutes or if that was just how long it felt well, but it was and- definitely longer than it should take did you see what ended up deciding it yeah, it hit like the the camera in the net. Yeah, it's, the ca- they, there's no definitive evidence of the puck crossing the line that you can see. The only thing they have to go off is is that the camera in the net moved. Yes. So, my issue is because I believe hockey has the same rule as baseball: is you can't overturn a call unless there's clear and convincing evidence. And baseball's done this in a number of games. If you have to look at a play or a goal for over three, three and a half minutes, there's clearly no clear and convincing evidence that it's going to be overturned. So I will say that actually that is clear and convincing evidence because the thing is the camera is enough inside the goal and you you see the trajectory and stuff. The thing that, that bothers me about it is it took them forever to get that camera angle. Yes. And so it's like, if you get your crap together, Toronto, then all of these can be cut down. Because there's some that I'm like, this should take 10 seconds. And you're right. sitting there three minutes later and you're like, what are you even looking at? And it's probably half the time you spent, okay, can we get this angle? We really need this angle. And you're sitting there like, can we like speed it up a little bit? Yeah, but wasn't it it was called a goal they were just making sure right um yes it was called a goal no yeah it was called a goal but then the first the first angles it looked like there might be clear and convincing evidence that it wasn't a goal because right you saw like it, it from the straight on shot it looks like it hits off the bar yeah but it didn't and so you had because it's like the angles and all it's really that was like one of the closest hardest to tell calls ever yeah so yeah it it was a little annoying that it took that long um also a little annoying that they didn't know that the camera could cause that because if they just push the camera a little back they wouldn't have this issue but they want it up there because then they can have the goal line cam but they wanted the goal line cam and then they screwed themselves over right and I'm with you on the why did it take so long for them to get that angle? Because like MLB has the same issue. They have cameras literally all around the parks. Like last year they installed like a whole bunch of new cameras and it'll still take them forever to get an angle. And I feel like the angle that they showed that was like, oh yeah, it's a goal. Like that wasn't some like 
crazy random angle that no. should have taken that long. That's just the normal camera angle. Like it almost seemed like it was the same view that we even see some goals be made. So it seems like it should have been like one of the first few they looked at. Yeah. This, and that's the NHL, I think Toronto and stuff like that, like they need to. And I also think they might be working with less res- resources because the NHL did furlough some of their office. That's fair. It's not, it's not great, but <laughs> kind of. So my rant actually comes from the game today too. And I need this to not happen this season. Um, the like welcome back montages. Um, we really need to keep those to a minimum because the Penguins did one for Justin Schultz and I get it. He was with you for a Stanley cup, but he was there for one Stanley cup which, of two. He, and he was there for like from early 20, no, from like 2016. Yeah. Early 2016 or something. Maybe he was there for two Stanley cups. I don't know, but he hasn't, it's not like he's a lifelong pen who's returning and yeah. there's no crowd. So the only <laughs> thing is like the other players and how awkward must it feel for him? Like he's sitting there, there's a video montage playing. There's no crowd or something to give him an applause. So it's yeah. just like his play, his teammates in the Capitals and the Penguins doing stick taps. It's just the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> and like, I get it if it's some like humongous Zidane Chara. Yeah. That's the exception. Zidane Chara should definitely get a montage because like captain so long all of that like even if it's going to be a little awkward on the ice do it justin schultz is not sedano chara Mm -mm. so that's my rant about that um my rave was originally going to be uh st louis st louis i was about to say st louis losing (laughs) i like that that'll be the episode (laughs) st losing st losing uh St. Louis losing eight to nothing, but since we already talked about that, I changed it. And um, obviously, this is not a visual medium, but Laura had a notebook made and it has our logo of the podcast on it. And then a word cloud is that what it's called? Yeah. So I can explain that part. I basically copied and pasted all of the descriptions of our episodes into like the thing that makes word clouds. And then I customize the colors to be like our show that pink color you see and so and I used it for the first time today because I just got it this week so it's now gonna be like my show notebook and I'm really excited to use it and it makes me very happy and I just kind of love that one of the main words was like cheater because we talked about the asteroid cheating so much like my mom was looking at it and she didn't quite know what a word cloud was she's like why does it say cheater on here? And I was like, because we trashed the Astros for cheating all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, that one got me. I was, I was like very intrigued by that being on the list and happy. There were a few that I'm like, we're sassy. Like, yeah, I'm, I was just surprised that like Garyanov and Ice Time is not on here at all. I feel like if we did the actual like transcripts of the episode, it might be. Oh yeah, that's true. It'd probably be bigger than like our names. (laughs) But then I will say, so the inspiration for this is this segment because Morgan and I both always start the episode. I can't remember what I'm going to do for (laughs) Ray. Oh, so many times through the week I had one and I know I had one, but I just didn't write it down. I'm not saying that you you still might not do that now, but at least we'll have a notebook. (laughs) And that was the thought behind it, so. 
And plus I love our logo. Morgan designed our logo. So I thought it would be, be cute. So that was cute, Rave. I like that. (laughs) Um, Mine is penguins related. It's very penguins heavy. uh, (laughs) So go figure. So last year, the penguins changed their goal song from party hard uh, to jump around which is like the lamest thing ever because jump around every arena ever plays that song. Yeah. So it should not be a goal song. It's just so lame. And it's not really like hype music at all for like a goal. It just, it, it was weird. And like to the point that someone today, so someone originally people were like, is there like, are they just not playing anything? And someone in Reddit responds, that would be better to jump around. <laughs> <laughs> but no party hard is back there's no fans to appreciate it but it's back praise the lord (laughs) which it's actually not because there's no fans it's better for me because the the song is louder and so if it was jump around my ears might bleed yeah i am so 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 thankful we returned not like i'm so attached to party hard (laughs) if there was a better song i'm open to it but jump around like there's so many songs I would take over jump around yeah can we also do an episode of goal songs yeah we should it, it we can there's some great youtube channels out there where they like review and, and have them because there's some good ones and then because I know which one's my least favorite I gotta think and I know I my first my favorite is obviously stars because so that's not a homer pick though a lot of people like list at number one it is it the stars song is, is a jam it really is um I could tell you what my least favorite is now and then we could go just, ahead we can um it's Toronto oh yeah it's weird I used to like that song <laughs> when I heard it uh, like once every few years mm-hmm. I watched one Leafs game and I swear to God they scored five goals and it was a home game for them and I had never hated a song in my entire life the yeah Leafs fans don't really like that song and the other thing too the Leafs are like a super offense heavy team so it plays a lot and you're like um maybe not it's not it doesn't like it's a happy song but it doesn't feel like a celebratory song so can I say as a like outside observer, and, yes. uh, to go with the, the name of our ep- episode, an, an, a maybe unpopular pick I have for bad one is St. Louis. And here's the reason why, like, so it used to be, they changed it a little bit and it's gotten better, but uh-huh. it used to just be that it was like the organ player playing like a, when the saints go marching in, because that's like, there was a blues thing with that. And it just, like, you hear the horn, and it's, like, hype, and then it just, (laughs) it just deflates immediately. Yeah. And they still have that, but then he just plays a little bit, and then right after they have this, like, custom, more hype jam that ends with, like, Let's Go Blues. And that's a good, like, that song really plays. If that was just their goal song, that would be a competitive, it'd be, like, probably top ten for me. But you have the interlude of the organ and it just, I, I get that it's tradition and I get all yeah. of that, but you have to hear it. It just sucks the life because you get this <laughs> horn and you're like building up and like ready to get excited. And then it's like, ugh. 
And I think you make my dreams come true kind of does a similar thing. Yeah. So, I think we should sometimes <laughs> have save that for an off season fun one, but at yeah. least we gave people a preview of like some fun ones. <laughs> By the time we ones. actually get to it, they'll have forgotten this section. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, we'll see you all next week. There will be more hockey to talk about and Lord knows what else. <laughs>